I remember when they told me there was nothing for me. No hopes to keep on dreaming, and I was way past 30. I sat in my room, and I began to cry. Then caught myself again, said I would upgrade my life. I'm gonna upgrade my life. I'm gonna upgrade my life. Could never do it without my tribe. I'm gonna upgrade my life. Welcome to the Dr. D Inspire Upgrade My Life and Biz podcast, where we give you tools and tips to reach personal and professional goals. Dr. Alana DeGrasse, president of Turning on the Lights Global Institute, and welcome to the Upgrade My Life and Biz podcast. I also want to say thank you to those of you who tune in. Whether you watch on any of our platforms, we're so glad that you decide to stop by. The Upgrade My Life and Biz podcast began all the way back in 2009, and we revamped our podcast recently this year, and the theme has been to have an unrecognizable year. Now, if you're streaming this and this is the first episode you've ever listened to, simply make sure you click on the link in the bio to follow all of the prior episodes because there's always what I call a spark lesson for you to pull from. And I just want to introduce myself to you if you've never seen me or if you've never met me before. My name is Dr. Alana DeGrasse, and I am the president of Turning on the Lights Global Institute. And here at Tolji, we love to help people reach personal and professional goals. And you know what? When 2023 hit, I said, you know, I really want to have an unrecognizable year. You know, we were pushing past coming out of the pandemic. We were thinking about what our new next was. As a business owner, I had coached so many individuals on how to pivot, on how to start over, on how to push past those really tough times. Some of those were really tough financial times. Some of those were really personal times. I've even had clients who had COVID in the midst of their pregnancies. So it was really an interesting time two or three years ago. And here we are today. And you know what? One of the wonderful themes I've heard over and over again from all of my clients, from people who are starting new businesses, from people who are scaling from leaders who want to make a difference is, I would do this if I had more money. I would sleep better at night if I had more resource. I would be able to do more things if I had more clients. I would be able to save more if I had more or more income. And I never really thought about how much money, the lack of it or the need for it or the the issues it brings up in families, how much of an impact it really does have both on an individual level and on a family level. And today, I hope this podcast gives you some insight and some motivation to realize there are decisions that you can make today to fatten that lean purse. There are decisions that you can make today to say, you know what, even if I don't have enough hours on my job, I can find a way to create my own economy. And I know it sounds more positive than 
maybe it might feel like you can do, but I want to challenge you to give yourself permission to open up rooms of possibility. Because it is true that if you can sleep better at night, if you can provide for your family, if you had that additional stream of income, if you could have a strategy and a plan on how you can pay off debt and how you can alleviate some of those stresses, wouldn't that feel wonderful? I mean, what could you really do if you knew financial resource was was not a challenge? So I want to welcome you to this time. And I also love to hear your comments and your feedback because we are going to be showcasing our podcast live on YouTube once a week. So I definitely want you to turn in and tune in and let us know what are your questions? What are your thoughts? We also will select a time where we will go live once a month. So I want to know that you're going to join me. And in these once a month live sessions, you're going to learn how to upgrade your life. You're going to learn how to upgrade your biz. And I'm really looking forward to sharing with you also other entrepreneurs and leaders, our roundtable discussions, because in fact, we've had a lot going on. But I also believe in rest. And one of the things I learned from the onset of January was the importance of taking time to really ask myself, do I like what I'm doing? Is there something I'd like to change? Do I like who I'm coaching? Am I having fun? Am I really being authentic to me? Is there a childlike energy I have about researching new things, about staying in motion? So all of these aspects of personal development in my own life has definitely impacted my role as a business leader. And I wanna extend some of those lessons to you. So, Our title for today's lesson, Your Wealth, How to Develop Your Mind, Money, and Joy. So let's talk about the first one, your money. Now, entrepreneurship is is something that's um, easier said than done because a lot of times when people think of entrepreneurs, they think of this person, you know, sitting at a pool, working from anywhere with a, with their laptop and a, and a margarita on the side. Now, sometimes that can be true, but there's some interesting statistics that show that only 6% of entrepreneurs ever break the six-figure mark. And out of that, only a small percentage of businesses continue after the five-year mark. And I have been in business for 10 years, so I understand why that's the case. Because there are times when you start a new project or initiative where you don't really know if what you're doing is going to work at the onset of a new launch. You know, you might have a new book club. You might have a new book that you've written. You might have um, a new workshop that you are trying to promote in the very beginning. And oftentimes we're bootstrapping. We're kind of getting things going. And then in the midst of that, sometimes when you're a very new entrepreneur and it's not like you come from a long line of entrepreneurs, you're learning, you are grappling, you are creating, you are just in the throes of it. I mean, I can think about the very first moment when I said, okay, that's it. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And it was really after 
waiting for the perfect time because I just was like, when am I going to become an entrepreneur? I'm working full time. I have all these ideas in my in my journals. And if you've heard my story, I packed all of my dreams and ideas in journals for 15 years. And I just thought one day I'm going to get to it. And that one day became another day, became another day, became another day until it became 15 years. That's why I'm so adamant to suggest tomorrow can't wait. Just like my book is called Tomorrow Cannot Wait. Y'all can't see that in the light, but I'll make sure to put that book below because this book changed my life. This book woke me up because it was in that moment where I was like, wait a minute. If I keep putting off my dreams, another 15 years will go by and 30 years would have gone by and I would definitely have resentment. And I definitely don't want you to have resentment, especially when you have so much to give. So I really had to change my mindset. Um, it was an interesting time, too, because I was switching gears. I was told I was paid too much, so they couldn't give me any more hours. And boom, I became an entrepreneur because I was like, there's no way I'm waking up this much, putting in this many hours, um, serving my students and not able to pay my own bills. So for all of you ex-teachers out there and people who are in training and development, you can start your own side hustle using those skills and giftings that you have. And what was amazing and freeing when I decided to be an entrepreneur was that you know what? I could go past that glass ceiling. And so one of the things I also had to do when I started out was I realized, okay, I'm going to have to spend less because the other piece of entrepreneurship is, you know, you can go to all the trainings, you can go to the master classes, you can sign up. I've done it all. And one thing you realize is you have to invest in your business. So therefore, you need to have a little more bandwidth so you can actually pay for the back-end system. You can actually pay for some support. You can pay for uh, someone to support you at an event, or you can think about being in a trade show. And so that's going to take resource. And it, it, it's interesting because sometimes when I'm coaching someone and I'm like, all right, you ready to start this business? Let's talk about your strategy. And then they go, wait a minute, you mean I have to invest in this business? I don't have any money. And I'm like, well, if you don't have any money, you definitely can't afford not to invest in your business. So number one, I want you to, to spend less. Number two, this is like so crucial. Plan your wins. Now, I love this book, The Richest Man in Babylon. Go get it. Because there's this little line in the book that says, you know, you have to Think about what you will do. You have to think about how you will do it. You have to ask yourself, when do I plan on getting it done? And then lastly, who can I get to help me? Now, that last one, who can I get to help me? When I was an entrepreneur in the very beginning, I didn't think I needed any help. I'm like, I already know how to speak. I already know how to do X, Y, and Z. So why do I need support? But what I learned is that you really want to spend the time doing the things that really bring you the most joy. And also, it's better when you have individuals to help you. Now, when you are starting out as an entrepreneur, when you are side hustling it, right, you already have limited means, but it doesn't mean there aren't people that 
are willing to support you, right? So when you think about winning as an entrepreneur, you got to plan that win. If you plan on, you know, making the sale, then that means you got to think about, well, what is it that I want to offer as a package to a potential client? Um, how will I offer this solution? You know, and then what are some of my benchmarks? What are some what are some of the outcomes I hope to have at the end of a given quarter? And then what can I do to get support? You know, nowadays there are so many, you know, freelance friendly platforms like Fiverr and Upwork and there's just so many other tools that you can use to find people to support you at a very minimal cost. So why not tell yourself instead of, oh my goodness, I have to pay this, more like, okay, I get to invest. And when I receive a new client, I get to put that back into my business, okay? Um, and so then I want you to realize that even if you don't have as much to invest in your business, it doesn't take anything to use your phone. It doesn't take anything to use the camera right on your desktop. And so I just want you to know that a financial setback, that job loss, um, that the, the worry of not being able to pay your bills at the end of the month, I know that that can be a stressor. But I want to remind you that the same energy that you take to dwell on what is not present is the same energy you can take to plan to be of use by someone, like someone can utilize your services, someone can utilize that brain of yours and learn from your passions or learn from your mistakes or learn lessons from what you have already experienced. So I would really argue with you to think about how you can leverage where you are right now, how you can leverage your money and your earning power. And then it's, it's interesting, coaches, and teachers and trainers, oh my goodness, you have so many opportunities to stretch the veil be beyond, you know, your financial challenges. And I would say, go back three years, go back two years, do an inventory of all of those wonderful people that you have helped and ask yourself, how can I repurpose some of this information? You know, when I first started Tolji, I remember being $60,000 in debt. And I just was so overwhelmed at that amount of debt. And I was like, how can I, you know, pay off this debt? And I remember thinking, you know what, I'm going to take this business so seriously that every dollar that comes in, I'm going to consistently pay off that debt. And I just believe that if I serve from a place of passion, I will be able to pay off that debt. Guess what? Five years later, I was able to pay off that debt. Why? Because as an extra Earning strategy, starting this business was crucial in helping me to come out of some of that. Of course, Hubster support, of course, working multiple jobs as well. Look, it was not easy. And there are other milestones I'm looking to make. So I realized when I have those dips and peaks and valleys, I've got to put on my boots. And even if I don't have the straps, at least I got to put them on. And I want to encourage you to do the same. And the other thing I want you to think about is the fact that you have to shift the way you're thinking about things with your mind. So when we think about our perspective about success, you know, I studied persistence for more than 
five years. I sat in the basement wondering what makes people successful and what makes them fall off. And what I found was that many people want to be successful, but there are so many external variables that stop one from being successful or reaching new milestones. One of them is just procrastination because we want everything to be perfect. The other is not feeling like we know the right people. The other one is not feeling like we belong in this new dream. The other one is not having the right support system. And then the last one is just feeling like because of the prior variables I just mentioned that time has run out and it's just too late. But if you are older, like if you're in your 40s, 50s, or even your 60s, you can start a business and you can leverage your experience that you had in corporate, or you can leverage your experience as a therapist. You can leverage your experience as a teacher, as an engineer, whatever the industry is. And my question is, how can you use that to leverage your earning power? Because 45% of Americans in this country are business owners. They've started their own businesses. But now the question is, are we really operating and building from a place of passion, purpose, and joy? And if we're not, part of that is being willing to work on the way we are thinking about things. So I want to segue here and share with you uh, a segment from, let's see, which one am I going to? Yes, I'm gonna read from page 49 in my book, Upgrade My Life and Biz. And it says, I believe that you have what it takes to succeed. But research shows that millions of people have reported feelings of lethargy, doubt, and anxiety pertaining to their level of contentment in life. We can assume that stress is a strong contributor to this. We also know that additional physical symptoms of obesity, heart disease, and cancer have been reported contributors to the impact of how we handle life balance. Stress is that feeling you have when you feel like there are just so many things out of your control and your goals will not happen despite all of your efforts. Stress can manifest with symptoms like sleepless nights, rumination of thoughts, and clouded judgment. If not dealt with, stress can lead to complete burnout. And perhaps you have experienced this. You will know you have because you will not have enough energy to do the things you like. I've been there. When COVID-19 hit, I was ready to save the world with positive thinking and resilience. And I said yes to many speaking engagements, workshops, webinars, and more. But I ignored the signs of burnout. I was sleeping a lot and the pounds were just showing up. The duality of wanting to serve but feeling lethargic left me unmotivated after one 90-day period of consistent work without proper rest. And during a coaching session, I asked my client the following question. If a younger version of yourself was meeting you today, what would you say about your present circumstance? And I asked them to fill in the blank. In first person, I said, complete this sentence. If you had someone, your younger version of yourself talking to you right now, and it was going to say, girl, you know you need to, how would you fill in the blank? That's the question. 
And so a lot of them would say, oh, that inner self would say, girl, take yourself seriously. Girl, stop procrastinating. Find ways not to let these challenges stop you from moving forward. Find ways to make more money. Focus on your goals. Stop being afraid to share what you know. Let go of negative voices. Wow. We've all had moments where life just got in the way and it was difficult to pause. And I want to give you suggestions for moving past this. Remember stress? Are you tired? Do you need a few days off? Consider finding ways to discuss your concerns, bring awareness to your challenges, and let go of all circumstances that rob you of peace. Look, you can't do anything when you're stressed out. And that's one thing I learned during the beginning of 2023. I realized even though I was impacting the lives of so many entrepreneurs, I was pouring myself out, stretching myself way too thin. But the moment I stopped and got still, everything changed. I started to remember, wait a minute, these are the things you like to do for joy. This is what you don't like so much on your calendar. Ooh, you really like more of this. Oh, you love writing poetry. And sometimes when you're in the throw of a routine for so long, you can lose yourself. You can completely forget all the things that you truly value. So I want to encourage you to work on your mind as well. And then lastly, joy. Take inventory of your space where you're dwelling. Take inventory. Do you like what it looks like? Do you like your environment? Now, one of the assignments I used to give my, my members was to have a love day, right? And so I would say, if you can afford it, go out to a five-star restaurant. If you can't afford it, make your living room, your dining room, your kitchen, make that area your five-star place. Whatever five-star means, beautiful, excellent, elegant, special colors, flowers, think of those things and get all dressed up and be in your space. Have at least two hours where you're just like, hmm, let me think about my life. And when you make these routines a habit, it allows you to take care of yourself as you're trying to take care of others. And mind you, this is something I have to always do on a monthly, weekly basis. Tap in. Tap into what I'm feeling. So I want to challenge you. When you find something that you are so passionate about and you just feel like you have to do it, Make sure you find a way to kick those negative thoughts of procrastination out the way and just get to it. Now, today, I'm bringing to you in our spotlight corner an interview with a filmmaker who felt the need to create this wonderful film to tell the story of his personal journey. Let's listen to that podcast interview. All right, everyone, welcome to the Upgrade My Life and Biz podcast. So happy to be here and so happy to let you know that if there are any goals that you have, that this is the year to have an unrecognizable year. I am super excited to introduce a special guest with us today. He's a filmmaker. He's an Emerson alum. And I want to say welcome to Mr. Andre Joseph. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. 
Awesome. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you and like when you think about who you are today as a filmmaker, as a professional, like what is your why? Why do you do what you do and share that with our audience? Uh, so, you know, for me, I I've always been somebody that loved movies and I love television. Uh, used to just, you know, take my toys and make up little stories with them. Um, and, and at the same time, like whenever I went to my, my grandmother's house to stay over, uh, me and my cousins would be there. We would like come up with different scenarios and, you know, sort of reenact the stuff that we were seeing all the time. And my uncle had just gotten a video camera when I was about 10 and we wanted to use it to film some of the stuff we were doing, but we were obviously too young. And uh, years later, my mom had gotten a camera while we were on vacation in South Carolina. And we had made some friends on our trip. And same thing, like we were writing little scripts. And I'd always been a creative writer myself, too. So I was always coming with different ideas. And, you know, I wanted to actually film one of them. So she actually said yes. And we did like a little detective story with the kids. And the next thing you know, it was like, okay, now, once I got my camera for Christmas that year, I was getting everybody together, my friends, my cousins, and, you know, just filming stuff on the weekends or after school. And my parents weren't sure. I was serious about it. So when I was in high school, they had me do the summer course at New York Film Academy for four weeks. Mm -hmm. And that's where I kind of got hooked because then I now learned how to block actors and do lighting and sound. Um and then ended up pursuing it professionally, going to Emerson College, getting my bachelor's degree, and then pretty much starting my career after that. I just, you know, I love to tell stories. I like to tell stuff that's either personal or, you know, to kind of emulate the things I grew up on that I hope other people can be inspired by. So, so I, I, I'm going to interject because because I feel like. I don't know about you, but I feel like this is such an interesting time and period. I mean, we just came out of the pandemic. Well, not just, but, you know, that happened. And then we just had so many social things going on. And how did that impact your decision in terms of what you consider to be your focal point when it comes to telling story? Did you feel like with the film you have right now, do you feel like that is something that, well, tell us about the film. Tell us a little bit about what what kind of spurred you with the film. So uh, my short film, Dismissal Time, it's actually based on an incident that I went through when I was in high school where I was a freshman in a Catholic school where I got accused of writing a hit list of students I didn't like. And I think it stemmed from a situation involving a girl that I had interest in that was not of my race. And long story short, it was one of these situations where because there were so many few black kids in my school, they automatically thought that there was something wrong with me because I didn't stand out. So they brought in my parents. They were interviewing friends of mine and teachers and decided, OK, maybe he didn't do anything. We'll try to exonerate him. We'll do a school wide announcement. And then when they did the announcement, um, they didn't even explain anything. They just said, oh, no, we got the school dance coming up. So they just kind of swept it under the rug and I was disgusted. I ended up leaving the school after that year and I held it for a long time. And then what happened was the pandemic had hit many, many years later. And like everybody else, you know, I saw the video of George Floyd getting murdered. I saw all the protests that were going on in America. And at that moment, you know, like before that, I was writing and doing a lot of films that were just more for entertainment and maybe subtly having some of my values and themes put into them. But this made me say, okay, there's an urgency going mm -hmm. on right now where 
I can't hold back because there's always been that insecurity about fitting in and, you know, maybe being too white for too black for white people, maybe being too white for, for others. So I felt I needed to address some of these things through the eyes of a student going through what I went through mm -hmm. and a teacher trying to get to the truth, but being held with all these roadblocks when it comes to school administrations trying to protect themselves. And so I figured I could put the politics in and my experience, and then that could be dismissal time. That's powerful because it sounds like you really, in those moments, well, leading up to this film, it sounds like, um, yes, the George Floyd piece and everything else we're seeing with going going on in our um, society today definitely influenced you to say, okay, I want to I want to put more voice to some of this, but through a film and. When you made that decision, were you nervous? Because you said prior to that, you were uh, you were more so doing things for entertainment, but kind of leading in this direction. Did you feel, were you nervous or were you like, oh no, I'm ready to go? Like, why now? I think I was very determined once I had at least the first draft of that script done. I wasn't nervous because I knew I wasn't going to use the name of the school or the name of the uh, the teachers or anything like that. I was just going to make the name changes and, you know, make it so it fit not just my situation. Right. Because I read other stories like Nigel Shelby and other students of color in America that have been through similar situations where they got bullied because of their race, because of who they loved, or just any little thing. Um, and... You know the same situation where the, the schools wouldn't do anything the parents would have to go to press or go to the police and you know either it got resolved or not but it wasn't something that was making front page news because we're only focusing on police related shootings or you know the typical things that get us all upset hmm. so i felt once i had the basis of that script i said this is not something i'm going to wait seven years to do when i have to get the money and try to get a big name actor this has to be done today you know and it's got to be done as a short and i think if it, it's got the play that if i put the right people around it this is the time to do it while everybody has that energy that something has to be done because i felt even when this pandemic was over people were going to kind of revert back to let's get back to our lives let's go back to work this is the time to really address this. Mm. So I guess my question will be, tell us about when did you film this film? And also what has been some of the reactions? Because I had a chance to just view a little bit that, you know, you showcased it. Tell us a little bit about what the reaction was as the film came out. So we first we shot the film in 2021. We shot it in September. And that was a four-day shoot. And we did it while the schools were closed. So we actually were able to get access to a few places while, you know, there were still COVID restrictions going on. When the film came out, we premiered in Philadelphia near where we shot for a Philadelphia Independent Film Festival. And the reactions to it, there were a lot of tears, like especially when we did the Q&A it was just so heated. And I don't mean like, you know, people getting angry and upset and uproar, but just like they felt the emotion of what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they felt like everybody would tell me their stories of being bullied for whatever reason. And in particular, if it was race related and, you know, it just for every festival I've been to since that's been what I've been getting to is people just saying, Hey, something's gotta be done. Mm -hmm. You know, these schools, the way that they, politic their way to protect their image, to get their state quotas met, is just disgusting. And at the expense of especially students of color that 
are not trying to do anything to cause trouble, but yet get singled out because of everybody else's perception of them. Mm. So that I think was the thing that stood out to me was those type of reactions. And I think it, it almost sounds like it, it also brings, I mean, I, I don't know if you've heard of the MECO program here in Boston, but it's a program that basically came out of, so in the early seventies, there was some uh, bus integration and you know people had different feelings about it. Well, anyhow, fast forward, I was a young person in this program, and this would bus students from the inner city of Boston and bring us out to um, outlier schools like Sharon or Stoughton, you name it. And so it's interesting because what I do remember is I think it was just two of us, two women of color, two young children, basically of color. And I just remember sticking out like a, a, store, a sore thumb. Right. And I think one of the things you're also uh, bringing awareness to is Yes, there are those students that happen to be in, you know, these schools that are wonderful, but maybe they might just be the only person of color. Or the, and it's kind of like what I remember as a student is, you know, you just wanted to go to school like everybody else. You wanted to, you know, do your homework and, and make your parents proud, all of that. But it's it's sometimes it can just be difficult just being in the environment just being quote unquote the only but you also don't want to stand out either so it's like i kind of feel like this film kind of brings voice to some of that because you don't really hear too much of that like well what is it like to go to a school and be the only or to have assumptions placed on you so did you have like when you showed this film were, was there any workshopping involved or what, were there like next steps? I mean, it sounds like it opened up a, a big conversation. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, on the website for the film, we do have a study guide that oh, I designed good. specifically for, for schools, uh, which is one of the missions we're trying to do now, which is we've been trying our best to outreach to high schools, universities and middle schools to have this film shown. Um, because I think it can have an impact with young people right now. And also for administrators and teachers to say, you know, when you do see a problem, when you do see that there's, there's a student that's going through these situations, you don't like sit idly by and do nothing or just only make it about academics. Sometimes there's a lot going on where, yes, I understand the parents have to be involved, but sometimes there's situations that you kind of have to step in and show these kids, hey, you know, your life means something you're important you're valued and they need to hear that because the fact that sometimes even in my experience where i haven't had enough teachers mm -hmm. that gave me those sort of pep talk moments is just something that i think is criminal unfortunately do you feel like this i mean i'm I, i'm bursting as a prior educator i'm like bursting with tons of ideas and wondering you know i think if these conversations are done earlier, like you mentioned, maybe in the middle schools, high schools, perhaps it allows students to know, okay, there is a pathway for me. Do you, In your guidebook, is there like a place for uh, educators or people who support students to kind of go to get in-depth information about how to deal with some of these issues that they may not even be aware of? Because a lot of times teachers are just teaching. And so sometimes they're not even thinking about what is the experience of my student going through X, Y? It could be anything. Usually we're taught to teach the subject and not necessarily, we kind of leave everything else for the guidance counselor. Or for. But like, what are your thoughts? What do you think this raises in terms of um, bringing voice to or bringing validation to the experience of a young person? Because basically what you're saying is it would be interesting 
to have basically everyone on, involved in this in the experience of what a student goes through. So when something like that occurs, there's literally like a community of people reacting versus that student feeling like, I don't know, the world is, because when you're young, you know, everything is magnified. Your teacher, you know, your teacher looks like this, even though, you know, like everyone and everything. So my thought is like, by creating this film and creating the guide, what is it that you hope happens on both levels of both the constituents and the educators and also with the students? I think for the students, it's just if you're going through these type of situations, not to hold it in, you know, to seek out an adult when, you know, you know, especially because we deal with the mental health aspect of this as well. And um, they definitely need to speak out. And I think also for administrators, too, if certain schools, especially private schools, if they could form like peer counseling groups. You know, you know, you bring somebody like a social worker or someone that really is maybe from the outside that can come in and maybe one day out of the week, you just have some kind of like little small little assembly with those type of students that need to address those issues, whether it is something that's going on with another student or simply the mental health aspect of it. I think that kind of helps at least to get the conversation going to figure out solutions and steps. Uh, because when I went to the school that I went to, we didn't have anything like that. And yet when I went to public school, we did, and it actually did help me. So I think that's something we need a little bit more of. Wow. Well, guys, I mean, I don't even know what else to say other than go and check out this film or find out when we can watch it. Um, Andre, why don't you share with everybody how they can access this film or what do they do if they want to learn more? So if they want to learn more, uh, you can find our link tree, which is H-A-E-P-Y-X dismissal time, all in one word. Uh, that will have all the links for our website, all of our social media. Um, right now, we don't have the film in public yet because we're still doing our festival run. And we're actually playing at the chain New York City Film Festival on August 4th. Uh, and we still have some other festivals that are pending at the moment. But hopefully when that running done is over, then we'll find a way to put it out online, either for YouTube or some other streaming platform. Wow. Well, I want to say congratulations on this amazing film. I can't wait to not only watch it, but view it and also just share in the diplomacy of it, because I think that it's a message that we all need to think about when we think about the next legacy of our generations to come. So thank you so much for stopping in the Upgrade My Life in, in Biz podcast. Have a wonderful day. Wow. Thanks for that interview. You can learn so much about other individuals and their stories. And I really enjoyed interviewing him around what made him create that film project and what were some of the motivators around pushing forward even when it was difficult. So if you wanna learn more about Andre, make sure you click the link below. And thank you so much for being a part of the Upgrade My Life and Biz podcast. Now, I wanna invite you to a special event that we're having on October 28th. It's called the Upgradeathon, which is going to be a one-day boot camp to get you to think bigger about your goals. Look, if you're going to kickstart 2024 in a magnificent way, if you're going to get to a better version of yourself, you're going to have to be in a space that's going to challenge you to get out of your comfort zone. And one of the number one ways to do that is to attend our actual challenge. Now, I want you to listen to Sandra Cheney talk about why she decided to attend our upgrade challenge. Huh? Yeah. Okay. 
So everybody, I'm so happy because I have the lovely Sandra Cheney who attended the Upgrade My Life and This Challenge in February. And Sandra, I'm gonna just let you share your time of being a part of this challenge. And I'm so happy that you're here. And tell us what your business is. Tell us all about you. So I, again, I am Sandra Cheney and uh, I am uh, the CEO of Sandra Cheney uh, Enterprises, my namesake. So I always tell people I have two tracks and that's how I view it. I am a uh, authentic coach who has been a best-selling author eight times over and now international. Woo! I am I am also a certified empowerment coach, but I'd like to say I'm an empowerment uh, voice that people need. I'm also a nonprofit strategist and expert. And what I do is, I help nonprofits actually build from A to Z, show them how to go from being a ministry to a business to become sustainable and profitable. I also help women take their pain and turn it um, into power and uh, purpose. And so being in this challenge was simply amazing for me because I almost gave up two days prior and I was just throwing in a towel because it, I had so many people in my head telling me to do this and to do that. And it just got to be so overwhelming and I was not even gonna do the challenge. But um, Dr. <laughs> Dr. D in, in, in all her wisdom sent me a note the night before and said, I'm so happy you're gonna be in the challenge and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. And that did it for me because I had to show up now because she was expecting to see me. And for me, that is huge because that's community to me. And so being in this community helped me to shift enormously, helped me to see who I am, my greatness, my giftness, my genius, and that the world needs me and I can't give up because if I give up, what's gonna happen to the nonprofits who need me? What's gonna happen to the women who are gonna be leading those nonprofits? So I learned a lot of ahas. The biggest thing is to show up in my genius and to be me authentically. And so I am very grateful. Thank you, Dr. Alana. You're very <laughs> Thank you welcome. so much. And what about, what would you tell them someone if they said, I don't know her, is this thing real? Because you know, there's so many things right now that that look the part, but they're really not. Did you feel like, even though this was your first one, that this was as authentic as it could be? Oh my goodness, yes. Listen, let me tell you something. So the first day, <laughs> I was in a robe and I had a hat on my head. Now, I didn't mean to be on camera. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I accidentally hit the camera. But you know what? Nobody cared. Oh my, I, and I remember that because I was like, <laughs> we just thought it's 7:30. And you know what? I didn't tell you is that because people saw you, there were a, there was another woman in her pajamas, and she turned her camera on because I think seeing you, she was like, oh, okay, I can be me all the way. And yeah, it's true. No one did care. Right. No, nobody cared, but that's the authenticity about it. You don't have to be all dressed up and um, and, and come and be on because it's 730 in the morning. And for me, that was huge. And it gave me a space to be like, OK, I could be real. And this is real. Like this is about as real as it gets. I don't have to have on makeup, no earrings, and then the information and and the music, <laughs> the music that you were playing got us up and go, I mean going, and that is so different than what I'm used to. And for me, that provides the authenticity to be yourself. 
So let's wrap up what we learned today. When you think about your wealth, how to develop your mind, your money, and your joy, remember that there are a lot of things that you can do to change your actual realities. Remember, you can do things like desire to spend less, think about what you will do, how you will do it, and who's going to help you. Then I would suggest, again, to think about your mind, shift your mindset, prepare for how you're going to win, prepare for getting over those moments of stress, as mentioned in my book, Upgrade My Life and Biz. And lastly, take inventory so that you can continuously have joy. Well, that's it for me. I'll see you soon. Well, that's it for me today. Thank you for attending and watching the Upgrade My Life and Biz podcast. Take care. See you next week. Bye-bye.